and welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. I'm your host, Doug Hill, and in today's episode, we're joined by Father Ron Victor, pastor at St. Isidore Church in Macomb, Michigan. I've known Father Ron uh, since he married my wife, Carol, and I over 28 years ago. He also baptized our daughter, Helena. Both of those events occurred at St. Isaac Jogues Church in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. He became pastor at St. Isidore in 2012, and it's been wonderful to reconnect over the past decade plus. Father Ron is a known fan of Michigan State University athletics, as well as the Detroit Tigers of his youth. We look forward to discussing all of that, and I suspect a little more with Father Ron today. Father, welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. Thank you. It's lovely to have you with us today. I'm, I'm excited to to hear um, about your journey as a sports fan, and I'm uh, and probably some other things that we'll get into as well. But if you could take us back to some of the early moments when you maybe remember being interested in sports. Well, I first got interested in playing sports in um, early grade school years. Um, I have two brothers, one one year younger than me, and one two years younger. And we were on the same Biddy League baseball team, which I think were eight to 10 year olds um, that were back in the early 60s. So, as far as playing sports, that's where I kind of became interested in it. The problem was, most of my younger brothers were much better athletes than I am. I'm not too good at sports. And so, that was always kind of a trouble. And our local um, pickup baseball games, basketball games, football games, they always picked me where I was. Uh oh. <laughs> But I enjoyed playing sports from that early age. As far as following sports, the first my dad wasn't too much into sports himself, but the first time we went to a major league uh, sporting event was in 1962. We went to the Brig Stadium for a 28 double header against the Yankees. Um, that oh. was when they had uh, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Elston Howard, Yogi Berra, Whitey Ford, a lot of the famous players back then. They had a uh, out of World Series wins. Um, and I remember that game particularly the year before, Norm Cash had won the batting title for the American League. Yeah. At 361. 1962, he was having a rough year. And at that game, I remember, I think it was the second or third time he struck out in the game. As he walked back towards the dugout, he just kind of threw his up. People were booing. He just kind of threw his, up, his arms up in the air and kind of smiled. And that's where he became a Norm Cash fan for the rest of his career. Um, Norm Cash eventually in 1968 when the Tigers won the World Series, he actually had the highest batting average for the team at 363 in the, in the World Series. So he became a big Norm Cash fan at that point. What what was it about that moment? Do you, I mean, I know this is a long time ago. We're talking yeah. six, 60 years, but was there something that just connected with you at that yeah, time? I guess I just kind of felt sorry for him. He was being booed and he just kind of threw his arms up and I thought at that time I wanted to follow him. And as as a youngster, what did it mean to follow a player back in, in the sixties? Oh. If you didn't have necessarily games on TV all the time right. or, or what yeah, have the you. Only, the only television games were on Saturday afternoon. So all the others of course were on radio back with well Van Patrick originally when I was listening to him and then Ernie Howell of course. Uh we um Back in those days, you could walk down the street and everybody on the front porch had a baseball game on. She could hear the game as she walked down the street. Uh, at the end of Howell, and then eventually um, 
or Ray Lane for a while, then Paul Carey. Yeah. So it's always exciting listening to the games. Um, so that was your first, I guess, professional uh, event that you went to. Uh, we referenced at the top that you have some interest in Michigan State. How did you uh, become interested in, in the Spartans? Well, I got through that through my rest of my siblings. I uh, went to seminary for college, but they all went to Michigan State. Okay. And they still are very diehard Michigan State fans. And so I kind of grew a Michigan State fan out of love for my siblings, I guess. <laughs> you mean those two younger brothers who were always picked before you? Oh. You you went ahead and followed what they what they enjoyed. Yes, yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. Um and what what does it mean to you to be a, a fan of of a college uh, team such as MSU? Does that is it appointment viewing for you? Will you make sure you tune into some football or basketball games, or is it just a matter of kind of keeping track? And I usually, when possible, I watch the games. Yeah, I watched them lose to Arizona last yesterday afternoon. For instance. That's right. The basketball game was on yesterday. Um, and you referenced seminary school. Uh, was there? excuse excuse my naivete on this one but is there any athletics of any sort at a seminary school do you have like recreational activities or things of that nature exactly in fact sports are a big part of your life in the seminary um i was a boarder in high school and of course in college as well in the theology so i spent 12 years in seminary and um especially during high school you had to you call it recreate for an hour and a half every day being that i wasn't that good at sports i took up handball Oh, yeah. And over the years, I played handball probably five days a week for about eight years. <laughs> Trying to get pretty good at it. That was the only sport I could ever beat my brothers in. <laughs> Unfortunately, handball eventually gave me the racquetball. And I don't play handball uh, much after that. And tell us what that experience, you said 12 years at, at boarding school. How was that um What's the question I'm trying to ask here? How did that impact your life? I mean, moving forward, you're you're now kind of away from family for that long at an earlier age. What what? How does that impact a young Ron Victor? Yeah, well, um, again, I was 14 when I went uh, away to the seminary for ninth grade. Um, I was very homesick for a long time, but I thought I it did help to become more independent. Mm -hmm. And even now, um, kind of, of course, not having a family of my own. Um, let me sum up by myself. I think I hope prepared prepared me for that. And certainly, you're you're pouring yourself into faith and and the study of of that. Does sports certainly the 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 Tigers, the Red Wings, the other sport, the Lions, and other teams in town? Does that become something that also provides you with some, I guess, comfort or some outlet as you're yeah, going through this? Just an the outlet, entertainment, escapism, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah, because that's one of the questions that I was kind of looking forward to asking today, knowing that we had some time together. You you deal with a lot of heavy stuff as a as a member of the clergy, um, not just priests, but any member of the clergy, rabbis, you know, ministers, um, what have you. Um, is is it really intentional then, and you have to find some things that you can do to kind of get away from some of that and provide you with a different outlet or what have you? Exactly right. Yeah. And what is that like for you? Or, or do you carve out some time specifically? Certainly, you're going to be in prayer and everything uh, that goes along with that very regularly. But do you also find time. You referenced the 
the Arizona uh, Michigan State game yesterday, but are you also finding time to carve out for that? Um, yes, I do. Um, as far as playing sports myself, I did play racquetball for mm-hmm. a long time after that became popular with handball. But um, recently, because of some injuries, I'm not able to do that anymore. But I used to try to play at least once or twice a week when I could. And we see um, so often today there is, a, I think, an intersection of what would appear um, outward expressions of faith on the athletic field. Um, how how does that uh, how do you view that as a, as a member of of the clergy? Well, I guess I like to see that. At the same time, I know that God isn't in either team's side. So yeah. When I pray, I just pray for good sportsmanship and nobody gets hurt. Yeah. Um, certainly you would have been younger at the time, but I recall uh, you know, quite famously that Sandy Koufax, uh, a person of the Jewish faith, I believe um, sat out a game in the World Series. And I want to say like 1965, maybe 1963, somewhere in the early to mid 60s, because it fell on Yom Kippur. Um should we see more of that? I mean, do you have any thoughts on well, how that should work? I would like to see that. In recent years, the Tigers have had a couple opening days on Good Friday. Yeah. Was, um, they wouldn't have done that back when I was growing up, but um, that's kind of changed nowadays. I'd like to see us going back to that, um, I guess, that practice. They have all respect over the, over the high holidays. And for our listeners who perhaps are of um, one faith or another, what would be considered or classified as the, as the high holiday? Certainly you're familiar with the Christian faith, but I would imagine that you could also impart some knowledge to us on, on other faiths as well. What, what holiday should our professional sports organizations be perhaps avoiding in some regard? Well, Yom Kippur, I think Hanukkah mm-hmm. would be important Jewish uh, feast, or you would not celebrate those uh, events. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure the dates of the Muslim holidays um, are exactly what they are, but um, I think those should be respected as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, our Christmas, our Christian holidays would be um, holy days such as well, Good Friday, Easter, Christmas. Um, so I would imagine that you're not watching the buffet of NBA games on Christmas Day is what I'm thinking. Not usually, no. <laughs> okay. You're respectfully boycotting. That. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what um, what what are you following these days in terms of um, any sports or sports competitions? Well, I still follow the Tigers pretty closely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Red Wings. Are, when I was back in the seminary too. We were the seminary was only a couple of miles from uh, the old Olympia Stadium. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to Saturday matinees and watch the games. Then that was when. Uh, of course, Gordy Howe and Alex Dobecchio and they were playing for the for the Red Wings. So I still kind of follow them rather closely. And I'm back of following the Lions this year. I'm kind of a warm weather fan, I guess, when it comes to the Lions. <laughs> oh. So what was that experience? I I I only had the opportunity to to visit Olympia Stadium once after my family had moved here from Indiana. So I didn't have a lot of experience there. What was that experience like? Because it oh, really was an old barn, if I'm not mistaken. It was mistaken. an old barn. It was great experience. We used to get, I think for $2, you got standing room 
uh, tickets. We would stand at the very top of the stands there, usually next to the press box. We would mm-hmm. see Sonny Elliott as a weatherman that used to come out and do a lot of things. Um, yeah, that was, that was, I enjoyed that more than anything, I guess, going to those Rotary games on those Saturday matinees. Then did you skate it all yourself? Um, I tried. <laughs> I wasn't too good at it. <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. I Again, we grew up in Indiana where any ice always had hardwood on it, it seemed. Or you'd put oh. a basketball goal at one end and you would try to shoot baskets. Oh. So, oh, yeah, hockey was not our, our thing in, in Indiana when I was younger, at least. Um, so I've heard you re- reference Norm Cash. Um, I've heard you talk about Gordy Hall and Alex Del Vecchio. Certainly you're moving through some pretty um, important um, players and, and actors in Detroit sports history. Were you um, familiar with the Lions at all back in the 60s? And and what was that experience like uh-huh. being a little more closely removed to a, a world championship? You know, we're not talking 70 years like we are today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, because the Lions play most of the games on Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to attend any of the games being busy on Sunday. Um, I actually do have some memories back when I was I was six years old. In 1957, when the Lions mm-hmm. won their last championship, at that time my family was living in a two-family flat. We were living downstairs. My mother's nine younger siblings were upstairs, including my uncles, who were big Lions fans. And I actually remember watching that game when um, uh, the Lions won. Was it, did it? Certainly, you have no idea of knowing that it's going to be nearly 70 years before, you know, or what have you. Yeah. But what was the, you recall what that reaction was to your uncles who were big Lions fans at the oh, yeah, time? They were, yeah, they were celebrating pretty heavily. Um, yeah. I guess that's why I remember it so well. <laughs> yeah. And you were otherwise really nonplussed. You didn't necessarily, one way or the yeah. other, didn't feel it. Yeah. 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 Um, and what was it like in 68 then during the, the World oh, Series? Yeah, that was great. Um, I was able to be at the ballpark the night that they clinched the the um, the, the pennant that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, didn't attend any of the World Series games that year, but of course followed it very closely. Um, I was able to be there in 1984. Mm-hmm. When the, uh, I was sitting in the bleachers when they won the World Series against um, uh, the San Diego Padres. Forget oh, huh. memorable oh. home run. Yeah. Uh, How appropriate that you would be there when they were playing the Padres, right? Right. <laughs> um, so it kind of buried the lead on me here. You were in the ballpark the night they clinched the pennant in 68. Um, do you remember who they played? The Boston, I believe. Okay. And how did you happen to that game? Did you know that that was potentially the one, or did you just happen to go to a game? Uh, yeah. No, we stuck out from the seminary to actually go to it. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And how many of you went? Was it a, a mass exodus from there, the seminary? Uh, there were three of us that um, were part of the group that I went with anyway. And then in 84, um, presumably you were not one of the uh, fans that ended up on the field. No. <laughs> no. 
Okay. What was the um, aftermath like trying to get out of that, uh, the Michigan and Trumbull area? Yeah, uh, that was crazy. There were cars on fire that yeah. followed the um, celebrating, I guess. So it was scary, I guess. Um, and where where are you uh, based at the time? I, I You weren't at St. Isaac's at that time. Where yeah. would you have been? At that point, I was at St. Alfred's and Taylor. And did you go with with family or with some other uh yeah just a clergy? Uh, father timmery he was able to get tickets i went with them and two of the persian of his parish who happened to be police officers so that helped a little getting out <laughs> yeah so you clearly were able to get out unscathed but was it yeah. a little dicey for a, a bit yes it was it was very dicey yeah um, a long a long walk to the car yep yeah yep. yeah okay <laughs> Uh, um and i know that we are um entering the in the in the christian calendar the liturgical calendar we're, we're entering um advent so i wanted to also ask a little bit about what advent means to you yeah advent's one of my favorite seasons of the year season of really quiet anticipation um being patiently waiting for christmas to celebrate I'm kind of strong in trying to celebrate Advent during Advent and Christmas during Christmas. I think the more you can enter into the spirit of Advent and anticipation, the more joy you can celebrate during the Christmas season, which, of course, begins on Christmas Eve. And this year goes till January 9th, actually, the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Um, I know culturally we start celebrating Christmas already. Right? Yeah. That's Thanksgiving. And so I don't think that. That's a bad thing necessarily, but I do try to encourage people spiritually to enter deeply into Advent and wait till Christmas as much as possible to really celebrate the joy. And then I think the celebration can be even greater once you've gone through a good Advent. Um, yeah, I, so many wonderful Advent symbols of Blessed, Blessed Mother, expecting the child, um, mm -hmm. meetings of Isaiah, uh, John the Baptist, a lot of things you can turn to spiritually during this season. You referenced. Um culturally we seem to move from well almost back to school to halloween and then immediately into christmas and presumably exactly. we'll have easter stuff up before we know it um yeah. Yeah. i know that hearing you um speak previously that you are a um you enjoyed the the um halloween holiday oh yes i do <laughs> if, I'm, if i'm not mistaken um why is that why does halloween's one well, for you i guess kind of the whimsical part of it plus also um at least traditionally halloween mm -hmm. is when you would turn your porch light on and welcome yeah. know, strangers to your house and offer them hospitality and so that itself i think is a wonderful gesture and then it's you know, the the subsequent couple of days are also pretty meaningful holidays yeah. too yeah exactly we follow halloween with um all Saints Day, November mm -hmm. 1st, and All Souls Day, November 2nd. Um, two wonderful feasts where we celebrate our communion with what we call the communion with the saints. Um, I believe that death doesn't separate us spiritually from each other. We're all part of a larger community. And we celebrate especially on All Saints and All Souls Days. Yeah. And you, you mentioned something with regards to Halloween, and I wanted to kind of pick your brain on this a little bit, too, if we could. In terms of the the communal nature of Halloween and, and bringing, inviting guests in, you know, yeah. in being in air quotes, I suppose in this oh. instance, but you know, having folks come to the door and and provide some hospitality, is there something about 
sports and being able to attend live sports that you would see is maybe similar to that in terms of a communal event? And is that part of why oh, you know, I never thought of that. such a role in our culture? Probably it. Yeah. Sports does bring people together, creates community. That's kind of what we're all about in ministry, I think, is creating communities. So mm-hmm. I'm a, I enjoy how much my brother is still close friends with his um, alumni from Michigan State and attend, still attend all the home games together and uh, get together for dinner and stuff. So it's created a lot of community on that level. And is is there something that we can perhaps take from either the religious communal aspect and, and translate it into sports or vice versa to try and help create greater community? Because we are a, a a society that seems to be siloed in some instances, but maybe some of the only places that we can find some commonality, it would seem these days, is in sports. Exactly, exactly. I think that's part of the beauty of sports. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Are, are there anything that you would still love to see live uh, in terms of a, a sporting event or anything like that? Or love to love to yeah. see a Super Bowl with the Lions in it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that line is lengthy and it forms to the left, but uh, um, yeah, there are a lot that are there, but not too many that are uh, remaining who can even remember the the previous championship. Right, and that's how old I am. I'm so old that the Lions actually won the championship during my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, two times would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. And is there anything that you would love to go back to if if we could create some, you know, portal to get you back in time to an event, either one that you did see yourself or one that you would love to go back and see? That's a good question. Um, I guess we're back to 1979 Michigan State Championship basketball season. Yeah. That might be that. And what was it about that that would want to get you back there? Why? I, I know that you certainly are a, a, an MSU fan, but what was it about that one in particular? Um, I guess the excitement of it, spending uh, showing with my brothers particularly, uh, following the Final Four that year. Um, that was probably before the March Madness became March Madness. It actually began that year, I think, when mm-hmm. Indiana. <laughs> yeah, Indiana State. My uh, yeah, I was my first year up here that year, and oh, I was I was pulling hard for Larry Bird and the Sycamores. Yeah, <laughs> and I was thwarted yeah. by the Spartans. So it was the the first of many. Um, you were very young then. Yeah, I would have been what uh, twelve that okay. year, or going almost twelve, turning twelve that summer. And uh, still talk with a little bit of an Indiana twang. I would yeah. uh, wash the clothes and, you know, oh. things of that. And there are always a little, some extra consonants and vowels where they didn't need to be or shouldn't be. Um, well, thank you, Father. This was uh, a lot of fun. I appreciate Thanks, you taking so, some time I, to do this. I enjoy this chance to remember, call back a lot of great memories of sports. So. Well, thank you. Conversations with Sports Fans is a production of the Sports Fan Project. Our theme music is, fittingly, entitled Wooden Championships by Lobo Loco. Please visit our website at thesportsfanproject.com for more information and to contact us. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other sports fans you know and invite them to give it a listen.